Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. This is Eric Seepin from the Village Church, and I'm sitting across from my good friend Andy Littleton from Hello. Mission Church. Yep, Mission Church. And uh, I got a email or text from you yep. about talking about Antarctica yep. and the melting ice caps or whatever is yep. happening up there, sheets that yep. are melting. Uh, we sort of talked about that. Well, we spent good time. Yeah. Uh, the second half goes there, but then the first half leads to it. Yeah. And we I even talked about Donald Trump. Donald Trump. The border. Man, the border. Man, you the thought gospel. you thought we weren't talking about politics anymore, but guess what? Hey, boom. There boom. it is. We're going to shoot it. So anyway, I enjoyed this one. Me too. And uh, I'm looking Hey, uh, this is Faith Over Breakfast, and we are, we are here. We've been discussing a whole bunch of technical details somehow my mind is not ready for a conversation all of a sudden really because we just talked about microphones and but we'll get there yeah. it won't take long anyway, yeah how are you eric you oh. said you had the week from a biblical place yeah it wasn't really that it's just the depth i ended up heart. having to work on my day off and i was really busy and so that's why the podcast was uh late yeah it didn't go up on friday you don't normally work on your day off I don't. I try really wow. hard not to. And if I do do what people would say, quote unquote, work, I know everybody saw my air quotes there. Uh, yeah, everybody saw them. It, it's me having some time to meditate and be quiet with God. Yeah. That my days off provide. Yeah. Um, sometimes that means that those days off will end up impacting what I speak about, but yeah. it's not, I'm not working in the traditional sense. Yeah. But of course, as a pastor, I don't know if I'm ever working in the traditional sense. And are you always working in the non-traditional sense? Yes, I am. And that was really complicated. How are you doing, Andy? Hey, uh, I mean, today I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, buggy with the rest of my week. So yeah. today's so far so good. Took my daughter to school. Got some uh, McDonald's cop. So here's here's what's happened with Faith Over Breakfast. We we now have this little studio we use, which feels quite official, but our eating habits have severely declined yes we were um, actually eating relatively healthy or health, you were anyway yeah me. and high quality and kind of locally sure. produced and i loved it and now i find myself cruising in off the freeway going oh my goodness i have 10 minutes to get there what's what you know i, I seriously just as i was driving i was like what will i drive by what will i drive by and then there was mcdonald's and i went uh okay egg mcmuffin yeah and I liked it. Yeah, well, my breakfast, they range from two places. And that's just because I pick up four little boys, one each week. Yeah. Um, and spend an hour with them. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to either be at Dunkin' Donuts, because it's their choice. Which is the coffee cup you have right Which now. Which, i got to confess, I, I cheated. I have been off coffee for a long time, except once a month. I mean, once a week. On Thursdays when I drink coffee with my but daughter. Today but I cheated. I, I went to Dunkin' Donuts and I thought, I haven't had an iced coffee in so long. I'll try one. Yeah. So this podcast, maybe I'd be talking really fast because I haven't had coffee in so long and it's really good. Yeah. But, and then apparently when you listen to the podcast, you speed it up. So it's going to be crazy. Yeah, I do speed up everything because I just can't handle people's slow talking. Yeah. You've, you've commented on our church that we need to talk faster. You do. Which is interesting. Yeah. So I think you need to talk. I slower. think all people need to talk faster when they speak. Really? Because why would you say that, Eric? What's the big deal? Why do you think we need to talk so fast? Why, there you go. That's why not great. Slow it down a little bit. Because I'm already assuming what you're going to say. My brain's already trying to plot it out. So you got to trick my brain into having to actually pay attention to you. 
Fluffer Noggin. Fluffer Noggin. <laughs> anyway, why are we getting to that? You sent me this. Like, well, I just want to say that first, that you got mad at me yep. when it came to the Snoop Dogg uh, podcast because you sent me, you know, basically what we any other show would call show notes. Hey, like you need to look at this so you can be ready to discuss things. And I did not look at any of it. Right. And, you know, because Snoop Dogg, whatever. And so... Because right. you already know everything about Snoop. I knew nothing about Snoop. <laughs> that was the thing. <laughs> Funny enough, one of our listeners from our church uh, really informed me and backed up what you said and emphasized that, in her opinion, uh-huh. he was a worthless man, not, you know, ever worth spending any money on or thinking about or talking about. Yeah. Due to his choices in life and the way he treats women. Yeah, pretty rough. Uh, so, anyway, she yeah. gave quite a severe review. Uh, but I'm prepared at some level. I read a number of articles on Antarctica, listened to a few podcasts, and so I have at least some idea. Well, that's I knew excellent. very little about Antarctica. <laughs> I also don't know much, and here's my... <laughs> oh, which, by so, the way, Antarctica is the subject in global warming global and melting... Warming. Ice sheets. Yeah, and so here's here's what I did. I, I last night was like, oh, man, we have the podcast tomorrow. And here's what I did. I swiped right on my home swiped screen. Right. <laughs> and there were two news stories, and neither one of them had to do with Trump, which was shocking. I was like, what? No Trump? And no, I mean, he did. I'm sure he did something. But, um, but I went, oh, I saw Antarctica and global warming, and I was like, we have never talked about this. And, and my approach was... I didn't read any more about it because, oh. well, which is fine. This is good because I thought, you know, I want, I want to talk through this without having, like, it's like the faith over breakfast idea sure. is two pastors <laughs> just talking, <laughs> you know, talking so you can get, so I was like, I'm going to come into this blind. Like right. if I just had, if somebody just asked me out at coffee, so what do you, what's your take on global warming? And I hadn't read any articles. Where would I be? So that's right. where I'm at right now. Right. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read the article. Right. I didn't even read that article I sent you. Yeah. And I didn't really get far enough to understand anything about global warming. Mostly, I learned a lot about the history of Antarctica. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I, speaking of Trump, I would also maybe like to talk about, so we're just going to do this live, uh, because if I were just sitting down with you, I would probably talk about the government shutdown. Sure. That's a big thing. How it might be impacting your church. Yeah. What you and I, you know. That would have been another excellent topic if to one of us had that. been more, more on top of it. But, well, if this is just us sitting down, I wouldn't call you beforehand and no, say, right. hey, let's talk about these things. Like, we would just sit down and whatever was on our mind, we would lay out for each other and discuss it and wrestle with it. Yeah. Yeah, with this border thing, too, I've been seeing people uh, who, you know, they've been posting uh, you know, some from your community about this and, you know, and how, like... Yeah, we here we are. We live in Tucson. We're close, and this isn't a crisis. And then other people are saying, "I live in Nogales, and it is a crisis." And you know, my recent experience was I was just down in Naco um, for near Bisbee for one of my or part of my sabbatical, and I have a relative that lives. You can see the border from their house, and I lived with a pastor friend, and you can see the border from his house. But you could, if you could throw far, you could hit it with a rock. And uh, I stayed at his house, felt extremely safe. He and his wife love it there, feel extremely safe. But my relative, who's about 10 minutes away, thinks the border is a massive problem. Um, same context, different mindset. Right. Like you can, you know, it, it's been interesting to me to watch that P- 
people who live in the same space. And of course, because there's people who live on my street who think we live in a terrible neighborhood. And there are people who live on my street that think we live in a wonderful neighborhood. Right. So. Well, and that's, that's why, you know, that you and I uh, know Pastor Lauterbach. Yeah. And when I was at his church, he used to say to his leadership um, that perception is reality. Mm-hmm. So whatever you think to be true, it, what your experience right. is, that's kind of how you're yeah. operating, especially right. with your environment. Right. And, yeah. And so, yeah, that's what's happening right yeah. now. It's a lot of perception. And that's also, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that's factoring into the climate change discussion. I mean, it's it's here we are in the same spaces, same sure. world, reading it very differently. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all. Yeah, I was at a coffee shop where they were giving free coffee to government employees, um, which is Hermosa Coffee at the Mercado Annex. Government employees, go over there, get a free coffee. I'm sure some other people are doing stuff like that. But, um, yeah, just hearing some of that discussion because government employees were coming in. So that was on my mind um, the other day. and I, I don't know. It's Somebody also in there mentioned that they had looked into the history of government shutdowns and i'm i'm sure that there have been so many and for so many reasons and i'm i'm kind of getting a little checked out on politics yeah to be honest i'm just like i just it's all it's frustrating i heard some people yelling at each other on the street about the government shutdown also yeah two people you know yelling about their various opinions on it and i just thought this is all like it, it come. It's to me. It's it's getting as petty as when you know sports fans yell at each other on the street. I'm going like, don't you realize like they don't even know who you are, right? They don't care. They don't. They're they're they've got this other agenda that, and you're so you're so frustrated. They don't even know your name, right? Like, and that's sad, but. All right, and I, I think that, you know, as followers of Jesus, like being loving your neighbor is at the core of yeah. who we are as people. And it's so easy for us to get sucked up into the different identities offered yeah. us. Like, yeah. are we, you know, kind of pro the wall, pro Trump, pro kind of this a morality thing or vice versa? Right. And that we, you know, morally we need to have open borders or the Eagles should have won and beat the Saints and blah, blah, blah. And like, so because we're an Eagles fan and we're crazy right. about things. Like it's very hard for us to like separate from that and be like, no, no, no. Like the call of Jesus is to be present in chaos and to love right. the people who injure us and to care, right. you know, what does love look like? Yeah. And that's a, that's a lifelong project. It is because the culture, you know, it has us in exile in the sense yeah. of it's trying to shape us. And, and it's, Doing a great job. It's doing an amazing job. Yeah, it's crushing it. I'm. We're. Uh... <laughs> I just like to say the culture is crushing. It's, <laughs> we're down. We're doomed. It's, it's over. <laughs> well, I was. Uh, I've started reading James K. A. Smith's "Awaiting the King," which is a political theology book, and he his whole thesis throughout all of his books is that everything has a liturgical nature to it, where it's training you in what to love sure and so your society and he also referenced uh how sports are doing that and, sure and uh and he's he's his most recent book is the uh, you love what you 
Uh, the, actually, the, this "Awaiting the King" is more recent. Is it more recent than yeah. that one? Okay. Um, but you are what you love. You is, are what you love. Is uh, maybe you could call that the the theory behind some of his other books is captured there. Okay. But um, I don't know. I was just thinking about, it. and he. I mean, he's so right that those you were being trained and shaped. And as I thought about that, and even hearing you talk just now, I thought, man, you know, one thing that makes me sad is there's an awful lot of people ascribing to the faith that, but it, I know there's probably a lot I don't see, but I don't see a lot of people shaped by the faith. And then you, you have to ask the question, how, how shaped am I? Right. Right. But I mean, in, in this discourse, it's like, yeah, it feels like we, you know, the Christians, if you, you know, right. Are, I mean, we seem to be all over the place, especially in people's minds. Like we're just everywhere. Right. Um, but but I don't know how many of those of us who are saying that are shaped by it. Right. It see, feels like we're more shaped by the the culture, by culture. which is sort of crushing it. And it is crushing it. And I think as followers of Jesus or the label Christian culture. Um, I think the culture itself is crushing it when it comes to what we would label Christian culture. Right. And some of that I feel like, yeah. Yeah. as the guy who in this show loves the stats... You do love the stats. Barna has ruined us in some ways. Mm. Because Barna has produced stats yeah. that are actually not very good. And About about the friends, percentage of quote-unquote born-again people. Yes, and right? the difference between a Christian and his counterpart, per se... Because he tends to talk about attending church. Yes. Right. And the difference yeah. is little or none. Yeah. But when you start drilling down into the stats, what you realize is that people who who hold on to a pretty strong orthodoxy and are right. strongly entrenched in a in a worshiping community, all of a sudden then the way so- they look is very different than the culture. And not necessarily from just like their morality stance, but from right. the way they give, the way they volunteer, yeah. the way they care. Yeah. What their family structures in life very different. Divorce rates very low. All yeah. those kinds of things. So there I, is a difference for sure. But and, I'm, with and the I, larger I, culture yeah. is definitely people who state to be Christian and have some attendance of church. Right. And not. this is and this is a weird thing I'm about to say, but sometimes and feel free to disagree with me. This is off the cuff. But um, oh. sometimes I wish people with super loud motorcycles would go somewhere else. Right. Like that well. guy outside. Hope you maybe didn't even hear him because this, this is a decent mic. But um, what I would. Okay. Sometimes I wish that people who are just sort of like dipping their toes or just attending would just kind of say, I don't know what I believe, but I wouldn't call myself a, a devoted Christian. Because I think if, if we could, if that would stop, you know, I think if people would go like, hey, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not practicing, I think it'd be a little more clear. But it's frustrating because there are people who, who are like, you know, doggedly like Christian and not, and, but they're not engaging in any of that stuff you're talking about. Right. Right. Like, I mean, it was, you know, during the last election, I think I brought this up. The, the Gospel Coalition said, you know, one of the major marks of a believer is that they are a member in good standing of a of a church with orthodox beliefs. So they went and looked at all the candidates, including all the ones that were standing for Christianity. 
and the only member of a church at all was Hillary Clinton, and it wasn't Orthodox. So all these people who are you know, <laughs> making this big political stand on, on Christian value, they don't even have a church. Right. And that's the leaders, right? Right. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Stop saying you're a Christian. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is why, you know, and maybe it bugs people, but this is why so many people start trying to change things in the way they say, oh, I'm not yeah. a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. Or yeah. I'm a follower of the I way. Or, because yeah. they, they're they trying somehow, in some way, to say, we're not represented by these people. This well, is it's not... like what happened with the term evangelical right. recently, where, you know, all the the people who followed after Trump and then, you know, people like Russell Moore and such started going, well, hold on. Do I, do I want to lump myself with those folks? Right. Yeah. You know, am I, so I don't, I yeah. used to say, yeah, I'm basically evangelical. Like, and now I never say that. Cause it carries so much baggage yes. and the words, I mean, words can change in our culture yeah. very quickly yeah. and it's different. But we should talk about this global warming. Global yeah. warming. So let's pretend that, like, at some level, I haven't read anything, and let's just talk about global warming. If I were just to, if yeah. I caught you yesterday morning and said, Eric, what's, what do you think about global warming? Well, and I would have said, what's, well, hey, I have a long history of global warming that I. You emit a lot of greenhouse I gases. Am really, one of the major causes <laughs> of global warming. I started out as an anti global warming person. Oh, oh, a climate denier? Yes, I was. Oh. We wouldn't call ourselves like that back in the yeah. early 90s. But uh, yeah, that's what they, they are. Yeah. Um, and some of that was because I believe that the earth mm-hmm. was capable of handling itself. Okay. And they also believed in God's power and strength um, to deal with things. Sure. But at the same time, I was also very, and I'm going to use some theological terms here that people may not understand, but I was very dispensational. Yes. In my belief system, and so can I we, believed we actually in a new pause? earth and, an, and a new heaven. So I thought this earth was going to be destroyed. Yeah. And so I didn't. So like, the actual taking care of this earth was not on my highest level of importance. Yeah. Can we explain dispensational really fast for those listening who don't know what it is? <laughs> I'll try. You, try? you go for it, since you're uh, the more theologically educated than me. Okay. <laughs> like, how much of a seminary degree do you have at this point? Yeah, like, well, yeah. almost there. Yeah, uh, over three quarters. Over three quarters. Okay, so you should, you know, <laughs> know how to really lay this dispensational thing. Down. I don't know. Can you tell us about the seven dispensations? There's seven. I think so. Yeah, you're right. There's seven. <laughs> so these are so dispensationalism is a system of theology. It's created by. Got like eighteen hundred. Rye, Rye it's about a hundred years old. Yeah, Schofield and Rye Schofield are, are key name. people, uh, theologians. But it, it breaks history into seven periods that have distinct plans of God, if you will, for them. We are in the sixth, um, and those, uh, yeah, and and there's basically the gospel as we know it is for this era. Um, and the yeah, and and a key piece is the you know, utter destruction of of it all, and then a, a final a final battle, battle and the return and, and the destruction yeah. of the earth and a, a remaking of it. Yeah, and and, and it's uh, and some some parts make sense of a couple sections of Revelation, but they they do a lot of damage to the biblical narrative as a whole. And it is the the dominant 
American evangelical view. Yes. Even though even though it is not the dominant historical view. So if you went and talked to some folks in Europe, they might go, that's bonkers. Right. 500 years ago, people wouldn't. They never would have dreamed. But right now in this cultural moment, things like the Left Behind series and and a a lot of other. How Lindsay and all those. And most of the TV preachers assume this and it's spread like wildfire. Anyway. okay. There, there you go. go. So I was, I was yeah. more in that, that space. I, I once was too, because uh, most of us grew up in it. Yeah. And so, and that, and then I was also in a space where the Republican Party, so it was Christianity and the Republican Party. Right. Like, so those two were intertwined with each other. They were fighting for the good fight um, in our culture. They were trying to resist uh, the breaking down and removal of God from our culture. And so, I mean... Global warming was viewed as one of those yeah. things that people were, were trying to worship the earth or trying to um, make the, the goddess herself, the earth goddess, basically. It was a worship of her and, and an obsession with that. And Which isn't utterly untrue. Well, another, but, yeah. There's, but it's an extreme. Yeah. Thing, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's where I stood 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, I guess 25, 20 years ago. I'm, I'm 46, so I've been, eh, yeah, almost 30 years ago. So anyway, um, is when I started all thinking about those things. But now, I mean, I, <clears throat> when it comes to global warming, I feel overwhelmed. Yeah. By just the way our world is destroying what's been given to it, mm-hmm. and yet I don't see any hope of us mm-hmm. changing the trajectory anytime soon as I look at superpowers like China right? Um, and, or I look like at developing countries like India or I look like at consuming countries like the U.S. Right. Um, where we, those three countries are single-handedly along with Russia's, yeah. Russia are destroying this country, this world. There are other right. people doing this, but we, if we stop doing it. It would make a, a major yes. dent. Yeah. And one of the issues is, you know, I think I've become more sensitive. I mean, the way we eat food, for mm-hmm. instance. Like in, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Yes, coffee's an interesting one if, when you're thinking about global warming. But I would say if we removed our beef eating, right. we could change. Just as the U.S. decided to, to just say we're not going to eat red meat, we would change the, the, the environment and affect global warming. I thought we were trying to get rid of bovine emissions so we eat the cows. Right, no. No, but you gotta grow them to eat them. <laughs> but the bovine emissions, like, it's not a joke. Those, right, and a part huge... of it's because we're raising so many stinking cows. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's, right. It's, it's an unnatural amount of of cows. Yes. So, how about you? Where would you have stood? Well, where would you stand if I just said, "Hey, like, Andy, I'm trying to figure out how to talk about global warming. What do you think?" So I would, I would first. As far as my journey, not as entrenched in the Republican agenda as you. My family was not staunchly Republican at any point. Right. Um, so we, but we were in, you know, circles in which that was more the case. Sure. But but we were also in like the working labor class, so we tended to tended a little left. Um. But but struggled with that. Right. So this was never, there was never a day in my household where global warming was questioned. It really wasn't 
actually worked out that much. We were frankly surviving, um, you know, living a life in which my dad was a, you know, a mill worker. Right. And you just tried to pay the bills and get by. I think that's where probably the majority of humanity sits is like they would love to pontificate on global warming, but you just have to pay the bills right now. Right. And I kind of feel that way. Um, like I would, I want deeply to be a moral person in all areas of my life, but I'm also very aware that I'm not. Um, so I want to be less materialistic. I want to be less consumeristic, but I find myself defaulting into it. And then when I get kind of peeved is when, so this is the struggle on one side, I get peeved because I see people who are standing for the things, not being as moral about it as they think and being quite blind to the ways in which they contribute to the same machine. You know, it's like, it's, it, it almost just cracks me up to, to, you know, it's like the person that is like dead set for environmental issues and, you know, and then goes out to have a smoke to, you know, clear their mind and you go, mm -hmm. so it's not okay to drive a six cylinder vehicle, but you know, you can do that. Right. Um, so that kind of stuff, and it's the hypocrisy of it, but if I were to begin to speak with too much conviction, I would be in that boat, which is why it frustrates me. Um, but that said, I do believe that we ought to be stewards of, of what God has given us. And sure. it also deeply frustrates me when people don't care. So I, I don't know when it was for me, but like littering just became, I was just like, why? Like, this is even when I was younger. It's like, how dare you? You know, like stuff like that, where it was just like, ah. And then, um, you know, I've added other things to the list that frustrate me. So I'm, I'm frustrated when people don't care for the environment, but I'm sure. frustrated by people who claim they care so much and I don't think they see the holes. Right. Um, and so I don't talk about it a lot because I'm, I feel like I'm not, I'm not strong enough on either end, but I, I would say that I care. I want to care more. I want to be less in my survival mode and more able to do some, live out of a, a better moral place out of what God has done for me in these areas. Sure. But I just, I'm also honestly kind of not there yet. That's where I'm probably at. Yeah, I, as I was listening to you talk, I was, it made me think, we, we're going through Daniel. Yeah. And Daniel has really started to change the way I understand what it means to take stands and yeah. be political. Because as you watch Daniel in the first chapter, he's in the process of becoming a Babylonian and not resisting that process. Right. And there are so many parts of it that violate everything that he is as a Jewish man yeah. and his understanding of God. And then he decides to make a stand when it comes to the food. Right. But what's interesting about it is that he not only resists the food, which isn't kosher and which he can't eat if he's going to stick to his Jewish right. you know, roots, and also it's being sacrificed to idols, which makes it even worse. I mean, but the wine, I yeah. mean, there's nothing against wine, but he decides to choose to take a stand in food. And I think what struck me about that 
is for him, obviously, that was an outward identity. Right. Food always was one of the right. identifiers for Jewish people up and against other countries. It made yeah. you Jewish, like it made you a nation. And it's and it's a uh, however many times a day they ate, but it would it was the visible right. thing. He it differentiated him over and over right. and over and over and over. And so it's an interesting. I mean, just to meditate and think about that process is interesting, but. What made me think is that you can't make, I can't make a stand and really begin to live my life on global warming. Right. And then go decide to make a stand on, you know, the sex trade. Right. And then go make a stand on the border issue. And then go make a stand. So I think like I, everybody in the world is picking their stand. And they, and then they, and when you pick one or two, it's always to the detriment of 5,000 other ones that you really ought to be standing for. Right. And so part of it is how as a follower of Jesus, what's the actual stand that right. sets me apart and yet at the same time doesn't push me out of the culture where I have no voice. Right. And I think it kind of comes down to first the complete loving of God with everything and then my neighbor, like working that out in every one of these issues right. in a way that's honest to my capacity. Right. And yeah. I think, and honestly, the capacity that God's calling me to, right? You know, and and we yeah. have different callings on our our, you know, in that process, like and capacity, like some of us, like you said, we our best thing is that we were trying to get up and time to make it to work, pay our bills, and take care of our three children and love our wife, or if we don't. And, and have sometimes a, you gotta shop at Walmart when that's when you're in that mode, right? Like, you have to shop at Walmart. You need to, to make your dollar go as far right. as you can so that your little kids can eat or you can pay the bills or you can take yep. care of your mom. Whatever it is right. that, that's going on there. Or pay the bills where, you know, in the past, your student loans are overwhelming you and you don't know what to do. Like, there's so many factors. And so it has to come back to my stand is my neighbor and the way I engage God yep. um, and uh, to yep. my capacity. Well, that's transforming because it makes me think, okay, how do I do this? And it's not political. Right. So I could know about, like, Antarctica and the fact that, you know, we'll get more ice coming off of, you know, the ice sheets, but at the same time we're gaining more ice and then everybody's confused about it. And right. But it's opening up this great opportunity for scientific exploration because now yep. there's green and we're seeing what kinds of things are going to move in. And I absolutely think, like, in all these areas, that, some, that there should be a subset of people who care deeply, inform the public, um, yeah. influence, um, you know, policy, uh, you know, and then I think the other thing that's, that tempers it for me, and this is what I wish everybody had was then at the end of it all to be able to trust God with the end result. And that's what like, you know, I don't know the, in the, in your old mindset, you were talking about with dispensationalism, like believing that God could, you know, whatever, like take care of it. That's, that's the good part, right? Except for you don't need to disregard everything along the way. The frustrating thing is when people are like, this this world's going to burn, so who cares? And they I don't, don't say that outright. It's just the underlying. I've heard it. Okay, well. Yeah. But when people don't right. say it underlying. But it's still there. It's still underneath everything they're saying. Yeah, and I, I uh, right. And I, I mean, and I've heard people talk that way about saving money and yes. um, handing it to your, your family. Like, yeah, well, but the world, Jesus is coming back soon. Well, imagine your parents said that 60 years ago and they left you nothing. Right. Like, 
And they also, by the way, thought Jesus was coming back soon. And back at the Reformation, there was a small group of people that thought Jesus was coming back any second. And by the way, when the New Testament was being written, there was a little group of people that thought Jesus was coming back tomorrow. They're called the Thessalonians. Yeah. I was like, don't sell everything. Don't sell everything. (laughs) So all along the way, it's like, live like the world's going to be here for a million years. But trust that God is going to is going to eventually in his time do what's best. And so I think that can like give you hope because you can't solve all the problems, but it's like, you should live like this responsibility belongs to humanity to whatever capacity you have. Right. Right. It brings us back to the Genesis. Yeah. Kind of, um, what do you call them? I missed the word in my head right now. Oh, uh, creation mandate. mandate. I was looking for the word mandate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, we are responsible. Yeah, it's not like the mandate disappeared. No. But then even, I mean, like, even in early humanity, it wasn't, I mean, I don't think God speaking to humanity, you know, in Adam and Eve was saying, you know, Adam, you're responsible for every square inch of this planet. You know? Right. Eve, so are you. You know? It's like, there's there's a mass of humanity, and collectively... You know, working together, using our our various gifts, we yeah, we are responsible. Sure. But then, at some point, believing that there is a God over it all and over the the grand scheme, who who does in fact, you know, declare the end from the beginning, and the world doesn't stay as it is forever. Um, and I don't know how that works. You know, if if some of these natural things we observe are part of our downfall, wouldn't surprise me a bit. The scientists say they will be. You know, so if you know if God's a part of that too, and but I don't want to like ever promote the idea that because the world will eventually destroy itself, that we should just wholesale, you know, throw Coke cans out our windows and let cows fart all night and, you know, and burn large piles of trash in our yards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. So on this whole subject though, of taking a stand, I do think, one thing that's interesting, if we want to bring it back to our churches, because I once heard you say that you tell your, you guys tell your church that you really aren't trying to be a judgment of other churches or uh, trying you're not trying to make statements about the right way to do things. Uh, I think what we, what we how, said how was the, we weren't we're not trying to create a new Christianity here. Like okay. we're not viewing ourselves as. We, I mean, we know our church is unique and different, and that we've rejected certain ways the church right. does things but we also aren't attempting to say like we're the thing or we're right. the... the only way yeah right but you are making a statement sure and i think that's i think that's part of this is is, is choosing a space that you're going to speak right. up for what you think might need to be reformed right. being a good reformer that you are sure, sure. And, and i think that's i think that's the important thing when you're looking at how you deal with the world and how you deal with politics is it has to come out of your community, right? Not as an individual. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's a new way of thinking for me. It's, it's not how do I deal with politics right. as much as how does my community deal with politics? How do we think about global warming? How do we do that together? Right. How do we, you know, how does our, our different views and our different experiences begin to be shaped by the gospel and then, be spoken out as a community. I think that's actually pretty revolutionary for for the church yeah. in the modern age. Um, is is to have a communal uh, 
speaking out. And, and I think, I guess, I think it first starts with the reformation of the church itself. Yeah. That we're in a process of reforming us. And as we reform through the spirit and, and being transformed, then we can begin to speak the gospel clearly to these issues. Right. I think what's happened in the American church over the last hundred years is we've stopped reforming in some ways and become political, uh, yeah. you know, political activists or pawns you might or pawns would even be better yeah because we're not we're not challenging the political system we're just jumping on board with you know a dominant part right. which yeah. i would argue and you and i've talked a little bit about this in, in uh, podcasts but the way the gospel has changed since like you know after world war ii to become this very simplistic thing you know the the you're god, in the context of american, american evangelicalism yes or whatever. like so yeah. the, the god has a wonderful plan for your life right let's walk along the roman road not to put those down but what it's done in discipleship and our understanding maybe of the gospel as a larger story right with yeah. with more complexity and forcing us to yeah. wrestle more with reality than god's wonderful plan and his death and resurrection which are at the core and beautiful yeah, but, not but they simple. but they get taken out of their big story yes. and become less um, important to the rest of of life, right? If you're yeah. not careful, and yeah. they don't inform how like we don't. I don't think about like I do now, but I didn't think about the gospel and how it influences the way I understand these different issues yeah. within the world and how I act in my everyday life. Well, just to tease that out, like, what does the resurrection of Jesus have to say to global warming would be an interesting question. So it's sure. like, so the the Christian would read the scriptures and hear things like, you know, in the New Testament being told that your body is like a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? right. And And what that means is like, if like if you can see that like you are made in the image of God and that in Christ God is actually like making like space on earth in in you that he is with you in within you then you don't just you know treat your body like a worthless you know piece of disposable junk and you don't probably eat as much McDonald's as I don't eat that much McDonald's but you you want to take care of yourself because you have value right sure. So then if, um, and so then in the resurrection, like your body, you know, mysteriously, but the, the scriptures say it's not that you become some spiritual detached thing. You, you are a bodily human person for eternity. Right. And so if that's the case, and there's also um, that the, the heavens and earth are renewed would probably be the more scriptural way of saying it. Right. Um, that then because of what the resurrection means for the body, that same idea transfers to the creation. So it's like, don't you know that creation is a temple? And right. it, and that's exactly what it's painted to be in the Bible. Right. Um, don't you know that creation is a temple? Right. You know? Temples are just a, a representation of the earth itself. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's the, the dwelling place of, of God and right. where his where his authority goes out and and he made it, you know, and uh, yeah. And so if if you know that the earth is a temple, you know, and that there will be a resurrection and that he wants, you know, to renew, new, not doesn't just want to, plans to renew it, um, then it's an absolute Christian responsibility to treat it like a temple. Right. And, you know, the thing that got me started about thinking yeah. about all of that is, though 
maybe it doesn't fit in the original manuscript, the end of Mark, has a real sense that the gospel is not just being preached to right. the individual, but to all of humanity. And then you end up in Romans as you listen to the earth groaning and, and looking forward to its own renewal. Right. Meaning that there's a sense within the creative order that that it yeah. has its own knowledge of its identity and it's groaning to be renewed. Well, that's that's transformative in thinking about how I right. operate, you know, and what my future operation is. Which is isn't doing. that what we see around here when we like the sunsets and sunrises that like doesn't it seem like the creation itself isn't just dying? Right. Like it it's like there's something within the creation that's like there's value and beauty and this sure. should go on, which is why I think like if we as, as Christians could get out of our like hatred for environmentalism, which I don't think most like we have, sure. but, but, but generally there's some of that. Cause it's this like, man, it's, it's idolatry. Like, no, this is, it's, this is the temple. And like when people see the beauty of the earth and want it to go on, like that's, why don't you affirm that for goodness sake? Right. Like you of all people as a Christian who know that the earth is a temple, you know, could affirm that the earth does want to go on and will, you just actually have a metaphysical reason that it's possible. Right. And beautiful. Right. You know? So stop being jerks to people who like the earth. <laughs> wow. Andy just went out there. Yeah. Holy golly. Well, I feel like this podcast uh is exciting <laughs> and fun to talk about. And uh how many minutes are we into this thing? 42. 42. Time, time to say goodbye. Like we've learned that 42 is probably our best. By the time Andy is saying golly, it's probably time to golly, we... to go take a little sit down. <laughs> think about my life. <laughs> you're going to go home. You're going to think about your life. Probably won't go home right okay. now. Yeah. No, you got to leave. There's right. something going on. Something's going on. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll get this podcast. Uh, well, you'll you'll hear it when it's up, and we'll see you next time. All right.